you'll see out in the foyer today, you need to register to vote. Because that's how we can exercise righteousness in voting for candidates, in voting for issues based on biblical principles. And I ask every one of you, if you are not registered to vote, please. Uh, that's why we will be doing this every Sunday. It is amazing each year when you hear the numbers, supposedly, and how they ever count those, I don't know. But they will say there are literally tens of millions of professing Christians that do not care enough about the Word of God and living in a country with principles based on the Word of God and candidates that stand on principles for the Word of God that even will vote. I just encourage you with all my heart. Uh, at every seminary, at every conservative Christian cons uh, seminary in America now, the professors and president are telling these young men preparing for ministry, if there is not an awakening in America before your lifetime is over, you will probably go to jail for preaching the gospel. Because they realize these men that have lived like me and seen how our nation continues to go away from the Word of God, how nations all around us like Canada, I have pastor friends that live in Canada, if they share Christ on the street like I do every day, they go to jail. If they preach against certain issues, if they call abortion, as Romans chapter 1 does, an abomination unto God, homosexuality, an abomination to God. If they say those things, they go to prison. Folks, we've always had freedom, but freedom is never free. I hope as you watch that, millions of people have given their life that we might stand and do what we're doing today. When we say, by grace you are saved through faith, it is a gift. It is a gift but it is the most costly gift ever given. In registering to vote if you're not registered and then to be informed about candidates, about issues. And if you don't know about what to vote, find out from those who are informed because God blesses a nation that exalts righteousness. And God must, because He is a holy God and a just God, judges nations severely he is a god of mercy but if you read his word and if you know anything about history because he is a holy god and a just god he must punish sin he loves all sinners but he must punish sin now thank you thank you thank you for praying for our mission team we uh this last week uh, have witnessed many miracles of God working in people's lives, uh, preparing people. Uh, I uh, tried a new technique. I'm always trying new techniques in sharing Jesus with others. It's always a learning adventure, and I'd never tried this, but we happened to be often where we were on a very busy road where cars and trucks would speed by, and uh, the men over there, many men, ride not a motorcycle, not a Harley,
but we call them scooters in America, like a 150, and they buzz up and down the road. And I just thought I'd try a new technique. As I was walking and these guys would come flying by, I would just hold my hand out like this. And even one of the men with me said, I've never seen a guy clothesline guys on scooters. But I would get as close as I could without getting run over because amazingly, the first day I tried it, over half the people in cars and trucks would stop. And I would walk up to them and I would say, and of course I have my translator right at my side, and I say, I'm Pastor Phil from the United States, and I have come here to tell you how much God loves you and how he has proven that love in giving his son Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard of God's love? And 80 to 90% of all the people I talked to all week would say no. Now, we actually discovered this was not an unreached people. There had actually been other Christian missionaries go in there and share Christ. But many of the people were as if it was an unreached people because they had never heard the gospel. So I would go on and I would say, God loves you. And you're very special to God. So special that he gave his son. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. He wants you to experience his peace, his presence, his love, his joy, his purpose in your life. But we all have a problem. It's called sin. Now remember, when they would say, I've never heard of this, I didn't know if they'd heard any of these words before. So I would say, sin is lying. Sin is killing. Sin is immorality. Sin is alcoholism. I would name the sins that I'd already found that were very prevalent in their culture. And then I would say, do you know that you are a sinner? And as a young man, they would kind of smile and say, yes, I know I'm a sinner. I stopped one big man. He was as big, if you know, Mike Worges, about 360 pounds. He, was, he had nearly run over me one way in a white Chevy truck. He came back. It wasn't a Chevy. That was a Toyota. And he came back, and I put my hand out, and he stopped. And as soon as I said to him, do you know that you are a sinner? He looked at me, and he said, I have 14 children by 10 different women. And I have a woman right now waiting for me in a hotel, a prostitute. I grew up Jehovah Witness. But I am away from God. And I just told one of the men, Dwayne Dean, who was in our team, I don't care who we stop next, you're up. Because I would get all the people, I had five other people in my team. And if I didn't tell them they're up, of course, I would end up doing all the talking. And I was trying to get everyone involved. And I'd already said, and I'd even said, if we get a 10-foot giant, buddy, you're up. Well, we didn't have a 10-foot giant up, but he was about 7 foot wide. And he sat in this truck. I said, Dwayne, you're up. Come over here. And Dwayne looked at this man, and he said, I can see the pain in your eyes. And Dwayne started weeping. And this man, this is called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This big man said, I am a liar. And Dwayne Dean said, I am too. And the big man started weeping. Dwayne said, I cheat. I'm a cheater. And the big man said, I'm a cheater too. 
And it was just the work of the Holy Spirit. And an hour later, that man gave his life to Christ, repented. We gave him a Bible, taught him how to use it, got him plugged into a church. And he gave me his word. He'd go back to that hotel room and dismiss that woman. And now he was to walk in righteousness, not immorality. See, the good news is this God loves us. And no matter where we are in our sinfulness, because he is a holy God, that separates us from him. God is a just God. That's why sin must be punished. And Jesus paid for that sin. Religion can't pay for that sin. In their nation, Catholicism is very prevalent. And so it was very important for them to understand you cannot earn righteousness by your good works. It demanded the perfect work of Jesus Christ because God is a holy God. And in sharing the love of God, God is a kind God. God is a good God. God is a merciful God. God is a forgiving God. And God is a God of new beginnings. And over and over and over and over, I praise the Lord, every bus driver we had came to Jesus. And that's what I want to talk to you today about. Because in two weeks, two Sundays from this Sunday will be July the 15th. And on that Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we will have our first Just Do It celebration rally. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, Brad Gilbert talked about what Just Do It is for. We see person after person come to Christ. We see person after person be baptized. We hear about persons coming to Christ. But often we miss out on the joy that James 1.22 says. Do not merely hear the word and so what? Deceive yourself. That is to give a false impression about the Christian life, but just do it. That's how we have victory. That's what victory means. Just do it. Now, I've already begun. I've been working for the last several months on writing a book that's entitled Think God, just like our theme. And the opposite of thinking God is to live in a state of confusion, to live in a state of bondage, to live in a state of discouragement, to live in a state of enslavery to sin. And and after all these years in my life, I just have this burden because as I look back in my life, I realize how much of my life has been lived in confusion. And I've never known another person, another pastor, another uh, seminary professor that doesn't live most of their life in confusion. When Jesus said, if you know the Son himself, you will be what? Set free. You will always, as the Apostle Paul said, walk in triumphant procession and victory. But what is confusion? Confusion is having Christ in your life and yet living like a victim instead of having victory. Feeling helpless and hopeless instead of living with the God of all hope and peace and love. Today, I want to walk us through some principles that I have taught thousands of pastors. That used to be my job, 
to teach pastors the joy. This may be unbelievable, but there are actually jobs in Christian denominations and seminaries to teach pastors the joy of sharing Jesus. That would be like saying there, there needs to be people that teach Olympic swimmers how to swim. It ought to be basic, right? And I'm going to give you an overview because as we have these rallies, I wanted you to at least be equipped and encouraged with the truths I'm going to give you this morning. Now, the next four Sundays, Philip is going to be teaching during this time, my son, to allow me more time each week to write. And I'm going to spend the month of July like I used to spend it in seminary, and I know how to, I know how to be intentional and put my head to the down intentional and write, write, write. And I'm going to write as much as I can. Phil said, Dad, do you really think you can write a book in a month? I said, well, I used to, buddy. I used to write 100-page papers in a month. And it just depends on how much other stuff is going on. So I ask you this month to stay every day, every day, submitted to the authority of God's Word, surrendered to His presence, and settled in whose you are. Isn't that a great song we sang? I'm yours, I'm yours. I lay down my pride. Lord, I settle it. You're my joy. I encourage you to live that way and cut down my counseling time this month, okay? Just decide right now. You're going to walk in victory during this month rather than confusion. Now, look at your notes, and we're going to walk through this information rather quickly this morning. If you normally don't take notes, take your pen out of the chair there in front of you, because I want us at least to have this where we can refer to it at different times. See, God wants us to know the joyous privilege of sharing Jesus. Now, I want you to know I could change this anyway. God wants you to know the joyous privilege, if you're a child or a student this morning, of honoring and obeying your parents. I could say God wants you to know the joyous privilege of forgiving others. God wants you to know the joyous privilege as husband and wives of being kind and tender-hearted one to another, of being humble to God and humble to each other. I mean, whatever God's Word says, it is a joyous privilege. It is a joyous privilege. So it's a joyous privilege. Why? Because God designed us to live that way, and when we honor and obey Him, we walk in victory. Now here's the problem when we don't honor Him. We live in condemnation. I want you to hear that. We live in condemnation. Just like this morning, if I was speaking to a bunch of high school students about honoring and obeying their parents, because most struggle with that, I've learned when I teach on that subject, immediately what happens is the enemy, the devil, condemns the listener, and instead of being able to hear the truth that sets them free, they kind of put their head down. Because that's the scheme of the devil. Whenever you hear truth that you haven't been living, the devil wants to scheme against you, and he shuts you down so you don't hear the truth. And he wants you to stay in prison, not be free. 
So see, I know that if you have Christ in your life, because it's Christ by the presence of the Holy Spirit that gives us the want to, to obey His Word, whatever it is. And when Jesus said to His disciples, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That means He'll give you the want to. He'll give you the desire. So if you haven't been doing it and you hear truths about it, what's just natural? The enemy is going to scheme against you and you're going to kind of put your head down. So I want us to get us free before we even get condemned. So put your hands. I used to do this with pastors. Because see, if you talk to pastors about sharing Jesus and they're not sharing Jesus, they feel ashamed about it. So I found before I spoke the truth, I'd say, let's get free, buddies. So put your hands right up here on your shoulders. Now, see, we get chained up. We get condemned up. God never wants you to feel condemned as his child. Always convicted, but never condemned. So just say, I praise God that Jesus never wants me to feel condemned. Now, I'm talking if I'm his child. See, and just say, if you're his child, say, praise God, I'm his child. I've trusted the death of Christ for the payment of my sins. I've repented. I've changed my mind about sin because I've sinned enough. And sin never leaves good in my life. So I've chosen Jesus. So today as I hear these truths about sharing Jesus, I will not let the enemy cause me to feel condemned. I'm going to keep listening because the truth sets us free. So I'm going to listen good and rejoice in the truth. Now, just shake it off. Any change, shake it off. Are you ready? See, I saw Michael Phelps last night swim a couple times, and that guy, before he swims, I don't want to hit my arm. I mean, that guy, if his muscles aren't loose, he gets to go in here because he knows he needs to be what? Free. So I want your heart to be free this morning to hear truth that I want you to know if you hear it and act on it, it'll put you on a whole new level of walking in victory because that's what it's done in my life. Here we go. See, God wants us, Roman numeral one, God wants us to know the joy of sharing Jesus. And just circle that word, know the joy, those three words, know the joy. And because of lack of time, I'm going to give you the top four that I've found in my life as I've found these in God's Word. Number one, the joy of being obedient followers of the one we love first. This is a principle that's true in any area of obedience to the Word. When I hear the Word of God and I obey it, it's joyful. When I hear the Word of God and I choose not to obey it, I get indigestion. You know what indigestion is. I get heartburn. I just don't, I don't have the joy of the Lord. I don't have the peace of God. And when Jesus, think of this, in the very beginning, when he called those early disciples that later he appointed as apostles to follow him, he didn't say, follow me and I'll teach you how to pray. 
even though he was going to teach him how to pray. He didn't say, follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to serve, even though he was going to teach him how to serve. He didn't say, follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to worship me, even though worship is with all our heart, and that's what we're saved for. I mean, all of these things that are in God's Word, the priority of Jesus, he said, follow me, that is, have union with me, and I'm going to give you a want to, You're fishing for fish right now, but you're going to fish for men. Why? Because God loves people. Did you know how important you are to God? I can tell you the devil doesn't want you to know how important you are to God. The devil wants you to feel sorry for yourself today. The devil wants you to see your past today. The devil wants you to see your present circumstances today if they're difficult. The devil wants you to be afraid of your future today. The devil wants you to look in the mirror and say, I don't like me, instead of seeing Jesus. Remember two weeks ago, if you were here and we studied Isaiah, Isaiah 6? His dear friend, King Uzziah, had died who had led Israel in prosperity and success. And he had died. And Isaiah was mourning over his death, his dear friend that he'd put his trust in. But as he went to the temple, it says he saw the king of glory. Not just the king of Judah, the king of glory. And when he saw the king, yes, he saw himself. And he saw that he was ruined. He was lost in his sin. But then he saw God touch him and heal him. And we saw the sacrifice there for the atonement. And then what did he see? He saw and he heard the God that always speaks with a sending voice. He said, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, I will go. What's the last word recorded in Matthew? that Jesus told the disciples, it was go, go. Because God loves people. See, when I share Jesus, I have the joy of being obedient. Look at number two, the joy of having a full understanding. Now, I learned Philemon verse 6 when I was 33. I'd memorized a lot of God's Word the first 33 years of my life, but I had never memorized Philemon 6. And when I had read through Philemon, you know, it's that book that Paul wrote to this guy. It's one chapter long. And Philemon was having struggles. What was he having struggles with? Forgiving his slave, Onesimus. And how do you win struggles? If you're struggling today, I'm going to tell you how you win that struggle. In Philemon 6, it says, I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith so that you might come to have a full understanding of everything you have in Christ. Whenever I struggle with anything, it is only because I have a lack of understanding of what I have and who I am in Jesus Christ. And when this preacher said, you want to grow in your understanding of who you are and what you have in Christ, at 33, I thought, I sure do. Because at that time in my life, I often struggled with discouragement over my circumstances. Often I I struggled with self-pity. 
And so when he said, you want to have a greater full understanding? I sure did. And this is what I've discovered. Every time I share Jesus, God unconsciously, consciously is teaching me, teaching me who I am in Christ and what I have in Christ. And the more I see who I am and what I have in Christ, I get to live what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2.14, that I always walk in triumphant procession. See, if our victory was determined by our circumstances, we would have a puny God. But the Scriptures teach that our victory is never based on our circumstances, anything. It is based on the Lord God. And so that's the joy of sharing Jesus, is God is ever teaching you who you are and what you have in Christ. Whenever I find myself struggling with discouragement, man, I share Jesus with everything that moves. You know why? Because I know God is teaching me, and He's going to bring me out of that discouragement. He's going to bring me out of that defeat. Number three, God wants us to know the joy of sharing Jesus so we can have the joy of knowing Christ's victory of overcoming regardless of our circumstances, past, personality, or emotional disposition. Now, just underline each one of those. I give you those four because I've struggled with all four. I just mentioned I used to struggle in my 20s and 30s with my circumstances. You know, we've all sinned more than anyone can imagine. We've all made bad decisions that in hindsight we would have said, I wish I hadn't done that. And we struggle with our past. We struggle with our personality. Some of us say, man, I can't share Jesus. I'm scared to death to see myself in the mirror. I'm an introvert. I'm a loner. Well, I am too. I'm shy. I am too. God wants you to know victory. At each service each night, we started a church. We'd share Jesus all day, and then we started a church in the evenings. And Phil and I would take turns preaching because we were also preaching during the day. So just to save our voices, we would tag team. And each night we would have our students give testimonies. And it amazed me of our students as they got up And maybe it was because they were in a foreign country. Some of these students that I have known for years, they got up and they talked about emotional and physical abuse and drug addictions, and I mean things that were horrible. And yet these students have been able to come to Christ and not only give their hurts, give their sin, give all of their woundedness, and be this wounded healer, and walk in victory. And when I would go to these students and affirm them, and say, I I didn't even know, I had no idea, it brings back that truth that we say, everyone has more hurts, heartaches, sin, darkness in their life than you can ever imagine. And then they would confide in me and say, Pastor Phil, I still struggle a lot with that. I I don't have much worth. I, I often just live in my past, and it's hard for me. And I said, honey, 
you got to learn increasingly more and more to live by the Word of God and how that will help you is share Jesus. Because the more you share Jesus, He will work Philemon verse 6 in your life. See, look at number 4. The joy of knowing the significance of being Christ's partner. You should have seen our students as they would share the joy of leading others to Christ. Think about it. You are changing the eternity of a person. Uh, Let me ask you something. How many of you came to Christ without anyone telling you about Christ? No one ever shared Jesus with you? you? You are rare. Pardon me? The Bible. You just went to the Bible? How did you get your first Bible? You were an alcoholic. How did you get your first Bible? Did someone give you a Bible? Someone mentioned a Bible, so there, God still used a person. He still used a person. See, I want you to see that. God did not need to choose us to be his partners. He didn't need to say, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. If God created the whole world by just speaking, he could have just saved everybody by just speaking. He could have sent his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit could have worked in all of our lives to convict us, to convince us, to draw us into himself, and we would all say, well, how did you get saved? Well, David would say, well, I was just walking along, and the Holy Spirit convicted me, opened my eyes, and I gave my life to Christ. But God didn't choose to do that. He chose us to be his partners. That's why he says, how will they hear unless someone goes? You, if you're a Christian, are so important to every person you know. Because, as the imperial saying about 30 years ago, you are the only Jesus some will ever know. And if you don't share Jesus with them, you may be the only Christian they know. See, I take that real important to all my neighbors. All my neighbors, they may be the only, I may be the only Christian they ever know. They may not like me. They may put their garage door down on when they see me coming. But you know what? You keep praying, you keep loving, you keep shining, because you never know when that day is going to come, when the Holy Spirit has prepared that person and they're open to a message. I mean, all the way through the airport, all the way everywhere, I was just sharing Jesus with people. Some were hard ground, some were rocky ground, some were thorny ground, but some were good ground. Because I realize I'm most important in every person around me. I know you would never walk up to a person and say, by the way, I want you to know I'm the most important person in your life today. (laughs) But if you see that you are the way that God's going to bring them to see Christ, all of a sudden you'll say, I'm really important. Did any of you come to church today and not think you're very important? Get your shoulders up a little bit, huh? You are important. Okay, you're God's partner. Now, go to Roman numeral 2. And i got to speed up. 
as I study Jesus, because Jesus is the perfect model of sharing Jesus. If you want to learn about sharing Jesus, just look at Jesus. Study the gospel accounts. Then look at how Jesus worked through the person of the Holy Spirit in the early church. And here's what I see as a biblical formula for sharing Jesus. And now I'm mostly going to stop preaching, and I'm just going to fill in the blanks for you, because then when we have these Just Do It rallies, we'll talk about different truths here. See, you see a biblical formula for sharing Jesus. It always begins and continues with the Spirit-filled life. And if you look at capital A there, just write it in. Because the Spirit-filled life graces us with the compassion of the Lord Jesus that compels us to overcome our apathy. Now, here's the number one reason why pastors say they don't share Jesus with others. And it's apathy. That is, I don't have time. I'm too busy with all the other things. That's apathy. Then look at number two. Here's the number one reason among church people. People that love Jesus, people like you. You won't say apathy. What you'll say is fear. But see, the Spirit-filled life, His courage calms our fears. Now here's what all of us need the Spirit-filled life, His conviction. Remember, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come, and in John 16, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us, not only of sin, but of righteousness. See, it's His conviction that commits us to obedience. Here's the great tragedy. And Philip, because he spoke of this one day to our group. I know he's either going to teach this next Sunday or the following Sunday. Here's the great tragedy. Most Christians, I can tell you, most pastors, most seminary professors, all of us, we gratify the desires of the sinful nature, that's the flesh, rather than learning to live by the Spirit. See, every one of us today, once you come to Christ, you receive the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then the Bible tells us we either walk by the Holy Spirit's control or we walk by our flesh. If you walk by your flesh, you will fall into apathy and fearfulness. And you will learn to tolerate disobedience in your life. Now, again, remember, we can apply this to every area of life. If you do not walk filled with the Holy Spirit, you will tolerate being impatient and unkind to each other at home. And you'll just tolerate that, and it will become a habit in your life. God saves us to live the Spirit-filled life. Then as we learn to walk in the power of His Holy Spirit, 
If you study Jesus, Jesus was the master. Of course, he created us. He's the master of teaching us how to understand people. You know, sometimes people would say to me, Pastor, how did you know to deal with that particular person, what they threw at you? Sometimes when I'd say, okay, Daryl or, or Sue, you're up. And they would start talking, and all of a sudden, through the conversation, they would run into a wall, and they wouldn't know how to respond. And so they would say, Pastor, I need help. And I would always say, I'm right there. Just turn, and they'd say, I need help. And they'd say, how did you just go through that? How did you just take them through that situation or that question, and you just went on? And I said, well, it's called practice, but it's also called being a student of understanding people. Now look down here. This will be so helpful to you, not only just in your marriage, in your parenting, if you're a a child, a student, just relating to people is to understand people. See, everyone, we've got a psychologist down here. She'll be nodding her head on every one of these principles. See, everyone wants to be what? Let's talk out loud. Special. See, everyone wants to be what? Significant and right, right over that. My life counts. If you don't think your life is counting today, you're probably discouraged. Secondly, secure. That's deeply loved by those you love. And sufficient. Right in, my needs are met. Now, as soon as you get that written down, look at me. Go ahead and write it down. Look at me. What company has made billions of dollars just doing this? Allstate. You're in good hands. See, when they made that commercial, and they've never gone from it, they tapped in to what psychologists have taught us, and that is everyone wants to be special. We want our life to count. We want to be loved by those we love. And we want our needs met. Now, who's the only one that can make your life count? The Lord Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who's the only one that can make you completely and deeply loved? It's the Lord Jesus. It's called redemption. Who's the only one that said, don't worry about all these things. The pagans worry about those. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and I'll take care of almost everything. No, I'll meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. See, I share Jesus with people because I realize whether the person knows it or not, only he can make them special. Then look at number two. I know this about every person I ever speak to, about every person I've ever seen. Everyone has more disappointments, hurts, and heartaches than you could ever imagine. What does that leave you? Easily discouraged. Look at three, everyone has more insecurities, struggles, and temptations than you could ever imagine. How does that leave you? Easily defeated and hopeless and feeling helpless, and everyone has more failures and sin than you could ever imagine. And how does that leave you? Feeling shamed and embarrassed and guilty and condemned. And this is what I know. Without, look at the bullet, without Jesus' touch on our sorrow and sin, 
And I want you to underline it and circle it. We cannot. We cannot be comforted and cleansed. Now, comforted is healed from your past hurts. Cleansed is to become the righteousness of God so you no longer feel shamed or guilty. Now, until we're comforted and cleansed, this is where people live. See, with resentment, bitterness, blame, unresolved anger, pouting, sulking, stewing, spewing, self-pity, searching, fear, dead in our sins, disobedient, depraved, and doomed to a wasted life. And in Christ, we have the answer. That's why you want to share Jesus every day, right? How can you say you care about people when you have the answer? Well, here's a clear message. Now, did you hear what I said? I said to those people over in Costa Rica and Nicaragua. I told them God loves them because God is love. I told them that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I made sure they understood what sin is. I told them that God is a holy God. See, that word describes God more in the Old Testament than any other word. And since we're separated from God, we can't have fellowship with Him. We can't have a relationship. God is a just God. That is, sin must be punished. In the Old Testament, what did they sacrifice? A lamb and ox shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. God so loved us that he sent his son Jesus to satisfy the justice of God. And by grace through faith, trusting the death of Christ, trusting the resurrection power of Christ to come into our life, it is by grace we're saved through faith. I put my faith in the word of God, and I received Christ in my life repenting. That's a clear message. Now, how do we present that? Well, it's easy over there because they do not question the authority of God's Word. I mean, I could walk up to people, speak that, they would receive it, not question the authority of God's Word. But when you're in America, we know from every study, everyone questions the authority of God's Word. By the way, all of us question the authority of God's Word. You know how you really know what you believe? You know what you really believe? It's what you do. See, the Scripture says, cast all your cares on the Lord. Do you really believe that? Every time you worry, you're saying, I don't believe that. Every time you're anxious, you're saying, I don't believe that. See, you really believe what you do, not what you say. And so when I talk to lost people, I know they question this book, the Bible. I know that. Every survey, every study, even the majority now of people that go to church and call themselves Christians question the authority of God's Word. That's why about 15 years ago, I don't even take people through the message till I take them through apologetics. Now, out on the Welcome Center, I have a sheet 
that Andy Chambers and I did several years ago. Andy worked with me. And we put down, it's called the miracles of God's Word. And I always, when I sit down with a person, just look there. Let's just read it and fill in the blanks. Clear message. See, since most question absolute authority today, after hearing their story, that is, I make an appointment to share Christ with a person, I sit down and I say, everyone has a story, tell me yours in five to seven minutes. And as they tell their story to you, you'll hear hurts and heartaches. You'll hear questions and sin. And wherever they are, that's where I plug in. But I ask this question. This is my launching pad. I say, well, for where you are today, and underline it, what is trustworthy to be the authority for your life? And they'll tell me it's either themselves, a family member, or it's their past. A lot of people, they live their life based on their past hurts. Or, in St. Louis, many of them are Catholics. So we examine the sacraments. And I say, are the sacraments trustworthy, since they're based on the traditions of the church fathers, are they trustworthy to be the authority for your life? I let them draw their own conclusion. I trust the Holy Spirit to bring conviction in their life. Then I say what I know they're all living in. They're scrutinizing the Bible because lost people think the Bible are myths and stories and fables. Not a book, though, to let it be the authority for your life. So I say, let's do this. Have you ever heard of apologetics? Most have not. I say, it's not saying I'm sorry when I've done something wrong. If you look the word up in Webster, it literally means a defense, a vindication. And so let's go to court, and you're the jury, and I'll be the presenter of evidence. And I'm going to show you things that you've never heard about the Bible. They can all be documented. And as you hear truth, what did Jesus say? You hear truth and it sets you free. Then I'm going to let you say to me, I'm going to let you give the verdict. And I take them through this sheet. You can get these out at the Welcome Center. And I can tell you 99% of all the persons, and that's been thousands of persons over the last 15 years that I've used this sheet, I still use it in America. When you come to that, they're with big eyes. They say, yes, the Bible is trustworthy. Well, once they come to that personal conviction, then you show them what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit has already brought them to say, yes, yes, yes. Right, Mike? See, go ahead. Let's fill in the blanks. See, I challenge them to scrutinize. We don't use that word much. But that means with a critical, cynical eye, really look at the Bible and let them come to their own personal conviction and fill it in there, number two. Once a person has come to their own personal conviction about the Bible, I show them what the Bible says about knowing Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I've also designed a sheet for you that has seven verses seven passages of Scripture, 
and 12 key words that give you the definition. You can get those out at the Welcome Center. And I promise you, you can just walk right through that. And what it does, it builds a foundation for them. So they're able, by the Holy Spirit's work in their life, to connect the dots and put it together. Who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, who they are, their sinful condition, but God's kindness and mercy for them. And grace, they're saved through the work of Christ. You take them through that sheet, and then you lead them to Christ. And there's even a prayer on that sheet. Now, how does all this come about? Well, if you're going to be a fisherman for men, you're ever in the building bridges of life. See, each day, as we've often said, we get on our knees, we see the Lord, we submit our life to His Word, we surrender our life to His presence, we settle the issue, I'm yours, Lord, and we hear and answer, write it in, number one, his sending voice. Because God is always saying, go. And we see, number two, God's love and desire for everyone. We see that God desires that none would perish. We see that we are the only way that this person may come to Jesus. And we live a life, E, sharing Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting the results to God. Now, for all of you men or women that are in sales work, hear me loud and clear. Sharing Jesus is not sales work. I've had many men throughout my life say, Pastor, I sure would like to have you on my sales force. And I say to them, you wouldn't either, because I would never have the passion wrought by the Holy Spirit in my life to share a product that I have in sharing Him. Furthermore, in sharing Jesus, you never fail. You that are in sales work, you know your success depends on you what? Closing the, the sale. But see, no one of us can convict anyone of sin. No one of us can convince anyone of the truth. No one of us can cleanse or change another person. Only God can do that. If you're asked to go to a court and appear as a witness, what are you asked to do? Only tell what you have what? seen or experienced concerning this case. And if they ask you questions and you don't know the answer, what are you to do? You are to say, I don't know. Because you're just to tell what you know. Now, some of you today may say, well, Pastor, this is overwhelming. You talk about the, the seven passages and the 12 key words and all of this stuff and apologetics. Let me tell you, if you have Jesus in your life, you have enough. All I'm trying to do with these other helps is equip you. 
because I know in my years of study how they equip me. But once you have Jesus in your life, you can be like the blind man. When they wanted to know the answers, how, how can you see? And what did he say? I don't know. I just know this. Once I was, but now I see. And you just tell him, man, I don't know that answer. But I know this. I was searching, and no matter what this world could give me, this world can give me possessions. This world can give me position. This world can give me prestige. This world can give me pleasure. This world, it can give me a Band-Aid that I'm happy for moments. But it can't give me peace. It can't give me joy. It can't give me purpose. It can't give me eternal life. And I just had this friend that told me about Jesus. And all of a sudden, my eyes were open, and I realized that's who I was looking for my whole life. And the only reason why I'm sharing with you is because you're my friend. You're my family member. You're my neighbor. See, right across my street, I've told you different times, I've got people, I don't know if they're atheists, I don't know if they're cult, I don't know what they are, but they're scared to death of me because the first time I met them, it just came up and I started sharing Jesus. They're, they're, they're young people. They're 28, 29 years old. I don't know if they were living together or what, but I mean, when I shared Jesus, they set their hearts hard against me. Well, yesterday, I'm out in the yard, and I'm watering my lawn, and they happen to drive in. And they get out of the car, and the husband says, it's good to see you back. I told them I was going to be gone away, and they asked this question. They said, how'd it go? I mean, I was like a jack-in-a-box that leaped out. How did it go? Oh, it was incredible, and I presented the whole gospel. Well, they were trapped. They just had to stand there. They asked. See, that was the Holy Spirit loving on them, drawing on them. Hey, Mike, and I, and I use Mike because he recently came to Christ. For 16 years, we were neighbors. 16 years. And the Holy Spirit was at work the whole time. His wife's not here, so I'll talk about her, and you'll make sure you tell her. For years, someone invited, I don't even know who it was, but someone in the neighborhood invited you to come. When you were a little girl, like her, even younger, to come to vacation Bible school. But the sweet wife and Robin's come to Christ, you know, when she would see me, she would turn around and go the opposite direction. But see, the Holy Spirit is like a bunch of bloodhounds. Once the bloodhounds get chasing the rabbit, they keep chasing because that's God's love. 
And then years later, I see Jackie back here smiling. The trouts moved in, and across the fence, Jackie came to Christ and started sharing. I mean, it's just God's working. If you guys could just get a hold of what God has for each one of you, you would get up each day with an anticipation. What are you going to do in me and through me today? I mean, it would be incredible, folks. Why? Because that's God. And I got to close, so let's finish up. It's 10.15. Just write in those last blanks. Did we get number two, see God's love and desire for everyone? We got that. So you make yourself available moment by moment to what God is doing all around you. I promise you, God is always at work all around you. I'm still learning that in my life. And what does that make? A continued powerful witness. See, sharing Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's where we were, and trusting the results of God. If you're following Jesus, go on. You are fishing. See, follow me. Because Jesus loves people. And what, what happens from all of this? Transform lives. Just right above that word transform, that's our English word metamorphosis. See, people are living like worms. You know, caterpillars, grub worms. And God wants to make us a new creation. Think of the difference between being a caterpillar that just has to be down here and a butterfly that can soar. See, we get to experience, write it in there, one, see others experience Christ's freedom. John 8, 36, Jesus said, only in me can there be freedom. Uh, Christ's glory. Colossians 1, 27, Christ in me, the hope of glory, and Christ's likeness. That is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, because I live under His control. Now, would you write down, right below there, July 15th, 6 to 7, 15. I don't know if our chapel will be in a position that we can walk in there that night. I'd love for us to meet in the chapel that night. If we can't meet in there, we'll meet in here. If you've never shared Jesus with anyone, if you're a brand-new Christian or an old Christian, Jeff, buddy, I want you there. You be there. And Ellie, I want you there. I I'm telling you. The devil does not want us. I've told this to seminary professors that don't share Jesus. And there's a lot of them. They got their PhDs in Greek and Hebrew, but they don't share Jesus because they're intimidated. They're fearful. You say, are you really? Go ask Andy Chambers. He'll tell you. The older I become and I see how God wants to work in us and through us, and he not only desires that none would perish, but he wants us to have a full understanding. And God has ordained that through sharing Jesus, all of this occurs. The devil never wants you to have that joy. But God has saved us for that joy. And by God's grace, I mean, it has nothing to do with me. You know, apart from Christ, I'm like Ephesians 2 says, I'm dead in my sin, I'm depraved, I'm disobedient, I'm doomed to live an angry life. But by God's grace and mercy, he gave me a mama. 
that she shared Jesus with everyone. See, I didn't learn sharing Jesus from a preacher because growing up, none of my preachers shared Jesus. I wouldn't have learned it from any preacher. Looking back, I never had a preacher that shared Jesus. He preached. I never had a professor except two, and I went to seminary three times. Only had two professors I, that I know shared Jesus. But my mama, by the grace of Jesus, she collected bills for the hospital in Warren, Arkansas. And often she'd take me with her because she'd have to go into some bad places. And she'd take me with her. And after she'd tell them about the bill, she'd always tell them about Jesus. I remember when I was 7, 8, 9, 10, the pastor would come out and bring names to my mom and say, this person is having this problem. This person, would you go talk to him about Jesus? And my mama would take me and we'd talk to him about Jesus. So see, I just learned it. Just like if your daddy played baseball, you play, were you a swimmer, David? John just learned to swim. He just jumped in the pool one day and decided better than drown, and I'll learn to swim. But you know how we say, what's that, what's that saying? The apple didn't fall far from the tree. We know what that is, and, and we say it this way, more is caught than is taught. We, we just learn to do what those around us do normally. And, and sweeties, I just tell you this. Don't let the enemy scheme against you and make you feel guilty if you've never learned this joy. In two weeks, we're going to have this rally every two weeks, and it's going to be you guys encouraging one another. You come because it's not just they need to hear. God does this mighty work in us as we learn to cooperate with Him. It's just His way. Will you say one more time, and we're going to pray. No matter what my past is, say it. No matter what my past is in sharing Jesus, I'm not going to walk out of this room feeling guilty. The Lord wants me to know this victory. Amen? And then you come to this rally, and you're going to see. There's already some people that have incredible stories of leading their first person to Jesus. And we're going to try to be as transparent and as honest and, and just be a setting that we don't have to have any expectations or be, we're just going to say, we're in this together. God has brought us together to be a church family. And just like on mission team, when one guy would be sharing and all of a sudden they'd hit a wall, they'd say, Pastor, I need help. Well, every group had a leader like that that always people knew someone had their back. And it's real easy when you're speaking in another language because the person doesn't even know you said, I need help, see. And we just kick in, and we're going to help each other that way. Let's pray together. And if you're with family members right now, just hold hands. Just hold hands because we're going to help each other. And you know when you hold hands, that means we're in this together. We're going to help each other. We're going to encourage each other. Father, I just thank you for a people that love you. Father, we thank you that you love us perfectly. 
And you want us to know the freedom of your truth. And Father, today, if we've just been impatient and unkind with each other this week, we want to know the truth of being controlled by your presence. So when we go home, we'll be kind to each other. We'll be encouraging to each other. And uh, Lord, just open the eyes of our hearts to see what it means to know you. We're your child. We're to walk in victory. And I just thank you, Spirit, Holy Spirit, for encouraging each of your children today to walk in your truth. It's a battle. We battle daily against our sinful nature. We battle against the old devil and the principalities of evil. And we battle against the mores and just our culture that everything is contrary to your truth. But Lord, you're our victory. And we praise you that greater are you that's in us than he that's in the world. So Father, this morning we don't just hear this word, we want to do it. To your honor and your glory and your good working in our life, Lord, we praise you. Just praise the Lord for his goodness and grace in your life today. Just thank him.